Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. We are engaging with words of Torah from Parshat Beha'alotcha this week. Go ask a bar mitzvah kid to say their Torah portion when this is their Torah portion. <laughs> and they see it in English and they're like, Baha'alotcha this week. When you go up. Uh, and so we we are in the second year of the triennial reading. And um, that puts us at the very exciting um, part of this Parsha, um, where we hear about the the way that people knew to move and then to camp and then to move and then to camp and then something about trumpets and how the trumpets were to be blown. That's the very exciting part that we're in right now. So what I thought I'd do today um, is I thought I would do a shiur for you, a lesson for you. That's actually not my shiur. It's not my lesson. But if you'll recall when I did Micha Goodman on some of our parshiot from Deuteronomy, um, it kind of, it, it, it filled it out and made it come to life in a different way. Um, so what I'd like to do is do a shiur from Rabbi Meir Schweiger from Pardes. Um, and uh, it's Pardes USA. And so I would like to do this shiur and, and it took me forever <laughs> to transcribe um, this shiur. But I, the reason I want to do it with you is because we're going to take this little piece of Torah that seems right? we're going to take this Torah portion, this portion of this Parsha that seems kind of like, what? Okay, fine. Skip it. Go to the next interesting thing. Um, and I want to show you what the rabbis do with things like this. And it's Mayor Schweiger who's going to, who's going to unpack it for us and bring these, these um, Midrashim and bring these Iyunim um, and these commentators. Um, but, but I thought I'd show you th- how gorgeous our tradition is in terms of how it can take a very small, what seemingly innocuous, boring piece of Torah and make it into like something that is, you know, much richer, much deeper and, you know, a lesson about how to live. So that's what we're going to do. And I have the notes. So um, Bert will be happy to post them. Um, and so everything that we're going to cover, I typed out. So it's all ready to go for you. Um, and if you want to share it with someone else, that's fine too. All right. So um, means I need to share my screen and we're going to go to the actual text. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the pact, and in the evening it rested over the tabernacle in the likeness of fire until morning. So like I said, this is the presence of God, and it means the presence of God is there in the Mishkan, on the Mishkan, and that they are to stay where they are. It was always so. The cloud covered it, appearing as fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from the tent, the Israelites would set out accordingly, and at the spot where the cloud settled, there the Israelites would make camp. At, the, at a command of Yudhei the Israelites broke camp, and at a command of Yudhei they made camp. They remained encamped as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. When the cloud lingered over the Mishkan many days, the Israelites absor- observed Yudhei mandate and did not journey on. At such times, the cloud rested over the Mishkan for but a few days. They remained encamped at a command of Yudhei and broke camp at a command of Yudhei At such time, the cloud stayed from evening until morning. You get the idea. Whether it was a month or a year or whatever, they followed that sign. Chapter 10. 
And God says to Moshe saying, have two silver trumpets made. Literally make to you two uh, trumpets. Kesef miksha. So it is to be um, silver hammered work. They shall serve you to summon the community, the Ada, right? The, the whole community and to set the divisions in motion. So the trumpets are going to be used both to call the entire community together and when it's time for them to move, how they're to go. And they know their order, but then the trumpet tells the next group to go. When both are blown in long blasts, the whole community shall assemble before you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The verb here at the beginning of verse three, vitaku. Some of you may, if you know Hebrew at all, may already start to recognize those letters. Vitaku. This is from what word that we know from the holidays? Tekiah, right? So this is the verb. You will tekiah on them, right? Um, so you will sound them is what you know, they're going to say. But but it, the Hebrew is related to tekiah. So this is the verbal form of tekiah. And if only one is blown... The chieftains, the head of Israel's contingents, shall assemble before you. So two, black, two, two silver trumpets are blown. It gathers the whole people. If only one of them is blown, then, and here, here's the verb again, yitka'u. If only on one yitka'u, you blow, you sound, then only the nisi'im, the heads of the different groups, are to gather. Utka'atem churu'ah. You will tekiah a teruah, right? So that verb again, utkaatem, you will sound a truah. When you sound short blasts, that's the truah. So this tekiah business, yitka'u, are the long blasts. The truah are short blasts. The divisions encamped on the east shall move forward. Utkaatem truah shenit. And if you sound... Uh, if you sound a uh, truah, the broken blasts, a second time, those encamped on the south will move. Thus, what is it saying? Short blasts, truah, yitku, you will blow, you will sound um, for setting them in motion. But to invoke, but to convoke the congregation, you shall blow, you shall sound long blasts, the tekiah. Below tariu, and you will not blow truah. You will not blow the short blasts. And again, this is the verbal form of a, of a teruah. The trumpet shall be blown by Aaron's sons, the priests. They shall be for you an institution for all time, lidorotechem, throughout the ages. Now, that's all before going into the land. That's all in the midbar. But... But if there should be a war in your land, meaning when you get to the promised land and an aggressor attacks you, what's going to happen? You will sound what? You will sound, uh, you're going to sound short blasts on the trumpets that you may be remembered before Yudhei your God, and be delivered from your enemies. And on your joyous occasions, meaning in the land, your fixed festivals and new moon days, 
You shall sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and your sacrifices of well-being. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I, Adonai, am your God. Okay. Seems pretty clear, right? Okay, great. Now let's move on to something interesting, right? (laughs) Not going to happen. Instead, our tradition is going to make this interesting, if you can believe that. All right, here are my notes as best I, I could type while he's talking. All right, up until now, says Mayor Schweiger, all of the book of Numbers have been instructions about a detailed preparation for entering the land of Israel. These, these things that we're getting in chapter 10, these are the final steps that they have to do, that they have to know before they're going to enter the land. Make these trumpets, then you're going to blow the trumpets to have the people move. Because remember, they're supposed to go right into the promised land from here. Remember? They're going right from the midbar, boom. They're supposed to get ready because they're going forward as a military operation to conquer the promised land. And that's supposed to happen like next week after they celebrate Memorial Day weekend um, and recover from that. Then they're going to go into the promised land. And so this is coming. Like they need to know what to do and how to move and how to go. All right. So that's what's happening here. So there's a dual role for the trumpets, for the for the silver trumpets, to gather the people when the need arises and a signal to travel. The tak'u, right? So takia, the long blast, an uninterrupted sound means gathering the people. Okay, that makes some sense, right? It says um, Rabbi Mayer Schweiger, you're going to do a takia, a really long, uninterrupted sound when it means come together. Everybody, come on. We're going to be a big group, so we're going to have a big sound that's uninterrupted. If only one trumpet is blown, right, then it gathers only the heads of the people. When you hear a truah, it's journeying. But the language used in the Torah, as I showed you, is utkatem truah. You will takia a teruah. It's like, huh? So why use that word again? Because that's what we got up here, vitak'u. That means you're going to blow a long blast. Why would you say the same verb, blow a long blast for short blasts? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. There are other words you could use, but Torah doesn't do that. You shall sound a takia, but not the truah when you're gathering the congregation. So Chazal, our, our sages um, of blessed memory, ask why this verb, utkatem, is used um, for, to, for uh, no, sorry. Why is this coming? No, sorry, that's wrong. Why is, is utkatem, that, that long-sounding tekia word, why is that used to blow a chirua? They blow a chirua for travel, but also says our commentators, it, the reason this verb is used is because they blow, they blow a tekia before and after the travel terua. All right, I know this sounds confusing. So tekia, the long blast. The reason they use the verb in Torah, utikatem, the tekia verb, is because our commentators say, yes, the short blast, the trua made them travel, but they blew a tekia before that trua and a tekia after that trua. That's why this verb is used. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Why do we care? On Rosh Hashanah, so if you go to Rosh Hashanah and you listen to the shofar, tekia comes before trua 
and tequila after. So think about it. Do you remember when you're in services and we go to we go tequila, teruwa, tequila, right? There's a tequila before and a tequila after the trua. So that's that's the pattern we use. And so the rabbis are saying that's what happened also in the desert with the trumpets. Rosh Hashanah, as we know, is called Yom Truah, the day of the Truah, of the broken sound. But whenever you blow the Truah, says you know our commentators, you surround the Truah, the broken sound, with a tekiah, with a long, uninterrupted blast. A blast, yeah. So Rabbi Schweiger goes on to say, trumpets are a mechanical device. That's not how you spell device are a mechanical device to get people to move. But the commentators say there's a lot more going on here. So we're going to look at Hirsch, Samson Raphael Hirsch, who says tekia, the uninterrupted tekia sound is triumphal, right? That writes triumph. And it's used to bring people together. The, and, it's, and it celebrates and represents the grandeur of the community. But where, when only leaders are summoned, only one trumpet is used. So there is grandeur in leadership because it's going to be an uninterrupted triumphal tequila that sounded for them. But, but it's only one trumpet. That grandeur is magnified when all of the people come together. And that's why two trumpets are blown. Right. So, yes, it's very important. So, yes, leadership. And that's a great thing. And thank God people take on leadership. Those of you who have served at KI, you, you know the headache that it is and the responsibility that it is. You've had others of you have had leadership positions in other places. You know how hard it is and you know how much you give and you know how sometimes ungrateful people are that you're serving. So that's a great thing. So blow that triumphal, amazing blast for leadership. Yay for leaders. But when you're going to get all the people together, that's even better. Everybody counts. So you're going to have a multiplication of that grandeur with two trumpets. One times one. Yeah, I mean, one plus one is two. Okay. So two trumpets blown in unison reflects the plurality of individuals and coming together in sound as one. Every individual matters. Um, but also two trumpets means we, we also need to belong to each other. We need to be a part of a collective. All right. The command is that it has to be from one piece of metal, one solid block. And Rabbi Schweiger suggests um, this is about communicating unity. If you're going to blow the blast to bring people together, so then you should make it out of one piece of metal. So even though right, it, it does different things, there's a basic underlying unity to this. Unity is not only among leadership or individuals and community, but unity also of the blowers and the people hearing it. So yes, you've got leaders and they're going to come together with individuals and individuals come together as an ADA, as a community. But there's also unity in the people blowing and the people listening, the people blowing and the people responding, right? That there's a, there's a unity in that too. So we've said a million times, the truah, ugh, I'm not a typist, okay, y'all. Um, the truah is a broken sound, and that's the, the message to travel. They need to break down the camp. So that also makes some sense, right? If you're going to do a burp, 
burp, burp, a broken sound, break the camp. That makes some sense. Um, and so, you know, in other words, so the sound is related to the action. The long triumphal blast is about gathering the people, gathering the leaders. The broken sound is breaking camp. So our, our teachers, our sages, our commentators say, if they blow a tequila before the trua and after the trua, what is that really about? It's about um, communicating unity. Before travel, we were a unit, and we will be again after travel. So blow a tequila, we are one community. Then blow the trua that breaks that community down and sets them off on their journey. But blow a tequila after that trua because you're going to communicate that, don't worry, it's okay, we're going to come back together. We're all splitting up right now. But don't worry, don't panic. When we get to the next place and the cloud stops, we're going to build the Mishkan again, put our tents up, have a party. We're going to barbecue. It's going to be awesome. And we will come back together on the other side. Okay. Lovely, right? That's a, a lovely interpretation of Takia Teruah Takia is that you're really the focus is Trua because you're going to get them moving that broken sound to break camp. But on either side of that, we were whole with our triumphal blast before the breaking down, and we're going to be whole, blow a triumphal blast for after um, we've traveled and broken it down, we will come back together and make camp. Okay. All of this is happening in the Midbar, he points out. And when we, if you remember verse 9 and 10, if there's war, then what are you going to do? Vahare Otem, you're going to... You're going to blow a trua. So when there's war, when there's crisis, it's trua. It's the broken sound. Again, that makes sense. When it's holidays, what's the verb? Utikatem. You're going to blow a tequila. And that's the sound for rejoicing, right? That big triumphal blast is the sound of rejoicing. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. So, and then what did it say? You know, at sacrifices, and you will be remembered before your God. The Mishnah says, and if you remember verses nine and 10, um, you're going to blow, you're going to sound the, 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 what are they in English? The trumpets. You're going to sound the trumpets um, and you will be remembered before God. And then remember it, it mentions sacrifices and you'll be remembered before God. So the Mishnah says they actually sounded trumpets when sacrifices were offered on holidays so that the people should be remembered before God. Ramban Nachmanides says, what does this mean? Remembered before God? Remembrance before God, he says, means for divine intervention, that we're asking for divine intervention. All right. So if, if, this is because it's war, then divine intervention seems pretty clear. What would that be about? It would be about being delivered from your enemies, right? But what does it mean to be remembered before God on holidays, like on good things? What kind of intervention, um, what does intervention mean in good times? And so possibly to demonstrate God's closeness to us or to help us feel close to, to really um, to, to ask for divine intervention, meaning help us feel close, 
help us feel the intimacy of this relationship between our community and the divine. So when it's war, it's clear what we're asking for is we will be delivered from our enemies. And the text actually says that Um, when when it's in good times, why would we need to be remembered before God? What are we asking for if if being remembered before God means intervention? What are we asking for God to intervene at a holiday, at a celebration? So maybe it's about you know wanting God to demonstrate closeness to us um, and to help us feel that that sense of closeness and intimacy. Okay, back to Sam- Samson Raphael Hirsch. He says there's a difference between a trumpet and a shofar. What's the difference? A trumpet is made out of silver. So the trumpet is man-made. That is us calling out to God. The shofar, the ram's horn, is made by God, which means God is calling to us. And Rambam says God's calling us for a wake-up call on Rosh Hashanah. I love this. I love this. The trumpet is silver. So the trumpet is man-made. That's about us calling on God for intervention, right? Please, 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 please. Or yay, yay, yay. It's But it's about us, right? So yay, that triumphal thing. Yay, it's a holiday. Or, or oh no, it's war. Help us, help us, help us, help us. So, so it's all about us calling out to God. And that's, it's, that's why it's a man-made material. But the shofar is the ram's horn, right? That's made by God. So that's actually God calling to us. And what does God call to us? Why would God need to call us on Rosh Hashanah? Because, hello, we tend to sleepwalk through most of our lives. We tend to be kind of habitual. We tend to just react and not respond. We tend to do things unconsciously. Um, and that God's call to us is about wake up, people. You should be alarmed. Judgment day is coming for the next year. Wake up, people. It's time to do tshuva. It's time for you to repent. It's time for you to come back. It's time for you to come back to your good self. It's time for you to come back to the community. It's time to reset. So I love that. I might even use it this Rosh Hashanah, and you will have heard it first here. All right. So when Moshe would sound the trumpets to gather the leaders and gather the people with trumpets, it was to bring them closer to divine purpose. This is another commentary on, on why blowing the trumpets. Moshe would, um, would sound the trumpets to gather the leaders and to gather the people. Why? What, what does that do? That is to bring them closer to the divine purpose for whatever it is. Like, why would you gather the people? Why would you gather the leaders? Obviously something's going to happen. Obviously Moshe needs to tell them something. And if Moshe is going to tell them something, it's usually something about, that God wants them to do or not do. So gathering is about bringing them closer to divine purpose. So here we, we heard in chapter nine, and when the cloud would arise from the tent, they would travel. And wherever the cloud would settle, that's where they would encamp. And then the conclusion to chapter nine, verse 23 is according to God's order, they would travel and encamp and they would keep the charge of God according to the order of God at the hands of Moses. So there, there's, there it's stated explicitly. They would keep the charge of God. That's what they're doing when they break camp and travel. And when they listen and settle down the sign, meaning the cloud moving is reinforced by the hands of Moses with the sounding of trumpets. So it should be enough, right? That the cloud is moving. 
God can signal for God's self that it's time to move. It's pretty obvious when that cloud takes off that it's time to break camp, right? Like it's not, it's not like subtle, you know, this big pillar of cloud is going to move. That's all you should need. But say the rabbis, the sign, the divine sign is reinforced by the hands of Moses. Why? Because God needed to be reinforced and validated and acknowledged by the human leader. Don't you love the rabbis? You got to love the rabbis. They're saying the sign was enough. God could have communicated. It's time to go. So why the trumpets? And they say there's meaning in that. There's deep meaning in that. It's saying that, yes, God can can signal, but God's signal needs to be reinforced and validated and acknowledged by the human leader. The Midrash, Bamid Barabbah, says in this vein, why does it say, make for yourself trumpets? Make literally in Hebrew, means to you. Why does it say, make to you trumpets? So then, Bamid Barabbah, remember the game? Those of you who've been studying with me for a while know the game. The game is if there's something about that here in and then in Bahalotcha, and there's something in Proverbs and Mishle that's similar, then they must be related. This is all the canon. This is all divine revelation. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences for the rabbis. If something in one part of the entire corpus of our sacred literature, meaning even beyond the five books of Moses, if something's over here and it reflects something over there, the divine has intended those to be related and we need to figure out what the relationship is. Okay. So for the writers, the authors of Bamidbar Rabbah, this midrash on, on this book of Bamidbar, they say, look at Proverbs 24, 21. And it says, fear God and king, my son. The Hebrew, hamlichehu alecha, make God king over you. Fear God and make God your king as a reflection of your fear. Now, remember in Hebrew, yirah is both fear and awe. And y'all know I don't love the word fear um, as the chosen word to translate yirah. I prefer awe. So we might translate this as be in awe of God and demonstrate that awe by making God ruler over you as a reflection of your awe. How do we do that? How do we demonstrate that? In making God king, we sound the trumpets like in coronations. (laughs) There's the key. How do we show that we're making God king over us out of a sense of awe and wonder at God's glory and hugeness and amazingness? We sound trumpets. When you're going to make a king, what do you do? You have a coronation. So we're going to, we're going to do a coronation by sounding the trumpets. We acknowledge God as king in times of crisis and in celebration, right? Because that's what we got told. You're going to sound the trumpets at the time of war and at the time of your holidays. So both, we need to acknowledge God as ruler of the universe in both our times of crisis and our times of celebration. When we travel, when we gather the people, says 
Mayor Schweiger, we are the troops of God and we are acting, meaning traveling, you know, in order and going where we're supposed to go in order to do the will of God. The sounding of the artificial man-made trumpet is taking human creativity, right? The making of those trumpets takes some talent, taking human creativity and using it to recognize God as king. The message being use all of your creativity in recognizing God as queen. The Mishnah says about Rosh Hashanah, um, I'm sorry, the Talmud looks at the Mishnah and says that in the temple on Rosh Hashanah, not only the shofar was sounded, but trumpets were sounded also. How do we know this? Look at Psalm 98.6 with trumpets and the sound of the shofar before the king God. Where is this happening? They say it means in the temple. Psalms, right? Psalms would have been uh, recited at the temple with trumpets and the sound of the shofar. So trumpets and shofar were blown in the temple. And so it means where the king is present, you're going to be coronating the king. So we're going back to Proverbs, Mishle 2421, that quote, fear, fear God, my son and king. Why add and king? What does that mean? Uh, Stand in awe of God, my son, should be, that's fine. That's good. Why do we add and king? The commentators say this can mean making your yetzer hatov, your inclination to good king or ruler over your yetzer hara, your inclination to evil. Have the good be what rules over your action. Do you see the jump they made there? How fantastic is that? So fear God, my son, and king. Why adding king? Because you're adding the element of rulership. Why rulership? Why is that important to put in? Because it's saying, let your inclination to be in awe of God and everything that would mean, your, your inclination to do what's holy and right and good, let that be Melech, let Hamlichehu, let that rule over you. What does that mean? It means over your other stuff, over the other parts of you. And if you act always from that place and let the Yetzar Hatov, the inclination to serve God and be in awe of God rule, then that's what's going to rule your actions in the world. Yeah? How do I make God king over me? What rules you? Mayor Schweiger puts it in this ter- in these terms. Good should be the driving force in your life. I have the divine image within me, which I associate with my good inclination to rule over the material, selfish, base drive and impulses. So what do you think? Everybody's like, why is she? Wow. <laughs> I, so you, and we're not done. But like, can you see, like just from this one business of you need to make some silver trumpets and make different kinds of noises on them to do different kinds of things. The rabbis say, there is a lot of spiritual instruction here. Um, Right? There's a lot of instruction here. You shouldn't just think this is about camping and blowing and breaking and coming back together. God forbid. This is about spiritual teaching. All right. What did we learn? What is this about? What did we learn? Okay, I I, I have a couple of, couple of things. Okay. 
First of all, just merely a practical thing that there were supposed to be over 600,000 people here. So it really does make sense that you needed trumpets. How in the world were you going to get the people to all move at the same time or move in the same direction and have some kind of order as opposed to chaos? Uh, With no cell phone service out there in the desert and the people couldn't be, Moses couldn't text them. Trumpets probably were the next best thing. Right. Uh, The other piece I was going to, and I always have this sense on the high holy days that the sound of the shofar really resonates and shakes me from the inside. And that sometimes we need that interior shaking, which comes through the sense of sound and hearing to get us to move, to get us to to question. Oh, I like that. To figure out what direction to go. And this clearly says in a direction dictated by Yirah, by awe of God and God's ways, however we interpret those to be. I really like that, Bert. I really like um, that that feels directly related to the Parsha in that we hear the shofar and it gets us moving, <laughs> right? And you mean spiritually, like it gets us moving, but I love that because that's exactly what it was used for here, right? Is get moving, you know, and it, it meant literally here. Um, but I hear you saying that on Rosh Hashanah, it helps, you know, get, give you a sense of moving in terms of like motivation to move towards your ah, to move towards awe and, and all that that would require. Um, the other thing uh, I was going to mention is both the trumpets and the shofar, while the trumpets are, quote, man-made and the shofar is made by God, both are really cooperative efforts, and they make no sound without human beings blowing on them. Beautiful. So it's about our partnership, right, with the divine that, yeah, God may have made the shofar, but without a human being to blow it, it, it doesn't do anything. It's not a shofar. It's just, it's just a thing coming off an animal, right? It's not, it's not a sounding device unless you have a sounder. Hence, so, the, hence the idea that God needs us. Lovely. And I think that was also reflected in, in the teaching about um, wh- why, why use them at all when, um, when you could just have the cloud move, right? You could just have God giving you the sign. You know, and again, it's about that partnership that Moshe, that you know, we needed to do something um, also to, to call ourselves together and not just leave it to God and that God needed, and you're going to see it go, it, they take that further, that God needs our acknowledgement and validation um, and not, not for ego reasons, right? But, but that, there, that it reinforces the, the call of the divine when a human being you know, then does something. Emma Linda? Um, it, it seems like a call to take the responsibility of religious and spiritual leadership seriously. God's not going to do it for you. It takes, it takes human leaders and humans are fallible and they can make mistakes, but do your best, call your people. Love that. Love that. Right. And that's, that's hard work. (laughs) That is hard flipping work. Yeah, it Um, is. Not that I would know that, you know, not, not from my experience, but others have told me that. Um, Susan unmuted and then Sarah. So for the really trivial thing, I, I got hung up on, there's some incredible Christian spirituals based on the silver trumpet, but I, but it's, I had never really 
focused on it until today, just on the shofar? And does the trumpet still have a spiritual role in our, or is it gone over to the to the chauffeur and why? <laughs> Um, no, it Again, doesn't trivial. anymore. Uh-huh. It's just the shofar now. Um, it's it stopped when the temple was destroyed. Okay. So the trumpets were blown until the temple was destroyed, and then the rabbis did not incorporate that into the you know the the practice, the ritual of Rosh Hashanah. Um, okay, uh, um, Sarah. I think in this parsha, we are treated both as individuals who have to make up our mind to do certain things and as brothers and sisters and how to negotiate both. And we're being invited to not just be out there alone, but to be part of the group. I think that's very unlonely. It's groupie. <laughs> You're called to be a groupie. I love that. Um, and Sarah, I would go further than invited. I, I feel like the word I would use is summoned, okay. right? You are you as an individual are summoned to come to the group, okay. right? It's, it's a very strong sound. It's a very strong, right, call. It's like, yes, it's an invitation you can refuse to accept for sure, but... Um, but you're being summoned pretty strongly that we really, really, really need to be part of the group to, to fully function in our own, you know, as in, in our own individual capacity to reach our potential, to really do what we can do best in this world. We need to do it as part of the ADA, as part of the community. And that's why we're here this morning. Exactly right, Sarah. Thank you for bringing it home. Um, exactly right. That's why we gather and do this. This is why we don't sit and reflect on the Parsha alone by ourselves. Even if I sent you these notes, it's not for you to sit and do by yourself, right? For us, this is a, this we're groupies. This is, this is not a solo flight, right? We're, we're, we're in this together and we study together and we see each other's insights and learn from each other and learn from other people's reflections. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, of the Ada of the community. And this well, relates directly to the Shema. Well, right, unity, right? Listen up, person of Israel. You are part of the unity. Right, and it's listen. Right. Maybe, like, maybe one could say, listen to the trumpets of God, but that's a different issue. <laughs> Is it really, though? <laughs> Beautiful, Bert. What happened to Sinai? The trumpets. main experience was hearing. Right, and sound of trumpets. Yes. Right. Okay, we good? Anybody else? I don't see any hands up. Okay, we're going to go back. Also, I want to say uh, how we, when you go and hear Chaim and all the sound that he's brought in and people are moved by it, I think that's significant too. The the human human shofar, right? Dana is what I hear you saying. You know, that there's a human sounding that is, you know, our vocal cords and our, you know, resonant mask, you know, the, the sound when we sing is formed by the mask. Um, so yeah, that, 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 this structure created by God, this bone structure and these vocal cords and the lungs and everything, the diaphragm, like all of that is also in its own way, a, 
a sounding mechanism. Each of us is a sounding mechanism like a shofar. Beautiful. Okay. Share screen. Let's see if we can figure it out. This midrash that we were studying, have you forgotten it already? I, I did. So fear God and, and fear God, my son and King. So this, this element of, of, of kingship is about ruling and God should rule over our baser impulses. That midrash says Mayor Schweiger ends saying that anyone who fears God. So anyone who acts in their life as though they are in awe of the divine, of in awe of the divine, um, the divine will, sorry, the divine will in the end themselves become a King. And it's like, huh, where do they get that? Well, all you have to do, people, is go back and look at Avraham. The Malach, the angel says to Avraham, now I know that you fear God. Do you remember this? This is from the Akedah. When do we read the Akedah? Oh, right, on Rosh Hashanah. You see, they're so clever. Look at this. On Rosh Hashanah, we read about the Akedah. If you go to the Akedah, it says, now I know that you fear God. Well, that has to be something about what we've been talking about because it's the same language. And Abraham was acknowledged as a king in the incident with the five kings. So there you go. Abraham is recognized as someone who is in awe of the divine and then later is called a king. So that means we have proof from Torah. We have proof right here that being in awe of God means you yourself become as if you are a king. Okay. But you should know it's also true of Moshe because if you look in Deuteronomy, what does Deuteronomy say? There was a king in Yeshurun. What's Yeshurun? That's Israel. There was a king in Yeshurun, and it's referring to Moshe, says this Midrash. It means Moses. And God said, I have made you a king in the same way that when the king goes forth, they sound the trumpets before him. So too have I said to you, make to you two trumpets. So this is a new interpretation by the Midrash of the question we asked at the beginning of the Midrash. Why does it say, make for yourself. God is saying to Moshe, make the trumpets for you. You are like a king in how much you revere me. Moshe fears God, and I've made you a king. And same as when a king goes forth, there are trumpets. So make for you trumpets. God is saying to Moshe that in acknowledging me, says Mayor Schweiger, the people acknowledge you and are drawn to you. So don't just invoke God, but invoke with these trumpets Moshe as well. So we're not only invoking the divine as ruler over us, but those leaders who draw us to the divine, those leaders who are like kings in their revering of the divine, turn to them. Let them draw you essentially to, um, to the service of God and your own uh, connection to uh, your awe of God and letting that rule in your life. <clears throat> Verse nine, if you'll recall, said the cloud, right, goes first, then the mouth of God at the hands of Moses. First the cloud, then Moshe, then after that, every the 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 people carrying parts of the Mishkan set out, then the tribes and and the other clans. 
but but the lead is the cloud followed by Moshe. And Schweiger, Rabbi Schweiger says, this is the dialectic of servant and king. I accept God as king. I am the servant. But in that process, that makes me a king. The more I attach myself, the more I attach myself to God, the more empowering that is. And if you look at Pirkei Avot, what does it say? Who is it that is honored? The one who honors all creatures. If this is true for our connection with other creatures, how much more so in our relationship with God? Who will be mechubad? Who will be respected and honored? The one who honors God. If we're going to be mechubad, if we're going to be respected and honored because we honor all of the creatures, if that makes us mechubad, then imagine if we are mechubad, if we honor God, we are that much more um, honored than when we honor creatures. Okay. Our Parsha pulls together all of the details, and the thrust of all these details is to emphasize the unity of the people reflected in each other. I don't know what the and is about. I clearly did not type fast enough. Sarah, did you want to say something? Yes. I think this Parsha especially recognizes our strength by the use of trumpets. They didn't choose violins or harmonicas or something. <laughs> they chose trumpets. And that's an announcement and a power. And that's what we have. Oh, Sarah's on a roll today. Wow. Beautiful. That Dafka, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of we have the strength. We can do it when we do it together. Love that. So Rabbi Schweiger says, until now, all of the book of Numbers has been about getting ready. This part is about emphasizing the unity of the people with each other, with God, and with Moshe, with their leader. And he says, the message of that is my place within the larger context is supposed to be empowering. Like you just said, Sarah, this is all about empowerment. This, this trumpet is a signal of strength and empowerment. The king is empowered at a coronation, right? The king doesn't have certain powers until the coronation. And that's when the trumpets are blown. So my place within this larger context of coming together, setting out, being a troop with the rest of the troops is supposed to be empowering. They journey to the call of trumpets as troops of God, and they become kingly as they do so. This is empowering, and they become godlike when they answer that call. But then he says, because we're Jews, because we're Jews, what's our story? Almost immediately after this gorgeousness, what happens? And we're going to read it in three years. No, next year. We're going to read what happens next, because we're not going to read this next year. We're going to read the third part of the triennial of this parsha. What happens is they start complaining. There's Robin's nodding. Yep. Yep. That would make sense. Yep. So all this gorgeousness being called to serve the divine that makes us godlike. That makes us like Kings. We all matter. We got the power. We can do this. And it's, and it's makes us mechubad. It makes us respected in ourselves and in each other. And almost immediately 
they start to complain. They start to murmur. It all breaks down. And what happens? Bitterness, destruction, divisiveness is what follows. Proclaiming God is king breaks down, says Rabbi Schweiger. That means joy is lost, unity breaks down, and it ultimately brings about self-destruction. If you recall, this generation is going to die in the desert. So all of this divisiveness, the, the loss of joy, the worshiping God as king or acknowledging God, proclaiming God as king breaks down, the unity breaks down, and that brings about self-destruction. And they're going to drop their carcasses in the desert. All right. Closing thought by Rabbi Schweiger. We are given many opportunities to be empowered, to rejoice, to be at one with our surroundings. To what degree is it that we don't know how to handle that? And instead of actualizing our grandeur, we self-destruct. The purpose of reading these parshiot, he says, is to learn, to grow, to change, to improve ourselves and the Jewish people and the world at large, may we learn from our mistakes. In the words of the Midrash, may we learn how to allow our good inclination to rule over our evil inclination and may the sounds of the trumpets be sounds of triumph and joy. Boom! Yad drop, right? <laughs> it was like, yeah, boom. Like, ah. Oh. You got to love how the man ties it all together, right? So it all comes apart. They all start complaining. <laughs> Drop the mic. Exactly. Um, they all start complaining. It all comes apart. They die. You know, it's like, so we have choices. We have a choice to see our own divine image and see that in each other and respond to that and have that rule over our actions and be therefore empowered to be dignified as the troops of the divine in the world, if you will, to, to be on a divine mission, if you will. We have the choice to do that and to rejoice and to, to be in awe of all of it, all of it. Or, <laughs> right, or we can, we can disconnect from that and we can turn on each other and turn on our leaders and turn on our own vision for the future in terms of having hope and having the will uh, to create it, to be something joyful and holy and amazing and worthy uh, of praise. And it's entirely, um, Mayor Schweiger's arguing that the Torah is telling us it's entirely up to us, right? Um, so something that just started out to be this like, Nah, trumpets, okay, they blow, they move, they blow, they stop, whatever, right? This is the kind you blow here. This is the kind you blow there. Turns out to be this incredibly rich um, spiritual teaching um, because the rabbis take it and make it so. And this is why we study Torah, right? Because he listened to all the gorgeous insights from today as well. So yes, the rabbis did a lot of work for us and that's why we study them and we study the Midrash and we study these takes on it to find spiritual meaning in it and we study their words. But here today, we continue that. Revelation continued today in these squares with the gorgeous insights that, um, that several of you shared. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday Morning Torah Study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, 
www.ourki.org.